You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. I was actually, it was a false start for me. I was waiting to hear the little guitar and you just went for it. I did. I did. <laughs> I'm glad and someone knows what's going on. It's the never ending saga of me trying to think up different ways. That felt more natural. Yeah. Much more so than like, hey, 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 or. I like the hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. That's a good one. I that would is... hold, I would put that in my back pocket. Yeah. I, I, okay. That's fair. <laughs> I, I'll keep that one. I'll yeah. hold on that one. Should I start greeting people like that in real life? No, we should, should preserve it. Preserve that. Yeah. Podcast greeting. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. What's good, man? I like it. What's good with you? Oh, that was a real question. Yes, for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we like got into the content for today's creative commentary, I kind of wanted to reference an older one for, for listeners that might have been tuning in. Throwback! Yeah, to Leviticus, if you Leviticus. recall. I, I recall I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about the law and a character who is very much uh, centered around that topic, Matt Murdock, also known as Daredevil. Daredevil. And we did that knowing that Netflix was on the verge of releasing their season three. And yep. seasons one and two, especially one, were so excellent and felt worth talking about. But it was really any prediction we had for season three was just that. Just right. uh, hopes and dreams. We were not but the prophets nor the sons of the It came prophets. out and, you know, your boy here binged it. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> and I am very happy to say uh, all our hopes and dreams were well-founded. Mm. It was really good. Like, I was blown away. They really got to delve into some of his, like, religious faith and perhaps even lack thereof mm. uh, in the yeah. series, which made it, you know, it was something that we've touched on in the past, but yeah. it became a central tenet of this story, mm-hmm. as well as whether he exists within or without the law in yeah. this story arc, and it, it was such it was such a, a well told story. So I'm glad I'm happy to report. Yeah. See, so sometimes we know what we're talking about. Sometimes that's what I'm taking away from this <laughs> is we sometimes get it right. That, it was so validating. That I'm not is, gonna lie. <laughs> that, isn't that good? We 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 need more of that we need in, validation. in life. Just in life, you know. Oh, yeah. Encouragement's free. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it doesn't. That's a good sentiment. Doesn't cost you anything to encourage people. That's true. I try to keep that in mind. At restaurants? Oh, yes. Because it would it would be a, a poo living, I don't know how to say, <laughs> can I say living <laughs> hell on this podcast? Yes, you can. That, I mean, working in that industry, in my mind, would be, would be a living hell. And I figured if I can just, if I can make their experience waiting at our table a pleasant one, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd at least like to try. Yeah, good it's, on you. It's free. That is, you know, that's very... The tip is not free, but the pleasantries are. <laughs> the pleasantries are. That's very Christ-like of you. I said that like that was like some sort of joke. Like a th- <laughs> It was not. I mean, it's just a, you know... Yeah, I get it, though. Being, uh, you know, kind toward people. I mean, that's... What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, speaking of jokes, except not really, except there's no <laughs> joke. We're wrapping up. The Pentateuch. the Pentateuch. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because, guys, <laughs> let me tell you what. The Pentateuch's tough when you're trying to yeah. cross-reference it with cultural edifices True. and yeah. such things. Like, when we get when we start getting into some of the other books, which, by the way, we may be switching that up a little bit. We may not go straight sure. into Joshua, mm-hmm. just as a heads up, you know, just to just Buckle up. throw you off there a little bit. But when you start getting into books like Joshua or First and Second Samuel... 
the Gospels, some yeah. of Paul's letters, that that starts getting much easier. Uh, the crossover becomes more apparent. But more when accessible you're with, themes. Yeah, when you're talking about, oh, here's the Levitical law, <laughs> it's like, man, woof, daredevil, <laughs> am I right, guys? Come on, and you know. Uh, so we're wrapping it up today, though, with the Book of Deuteronomy. Yes, which is another one of those books that is often a Bible much maligned killer. Yeah. <laughs> People get to Deuteronomy and they're like, uh, what? But I find that once again, if you you know the lay of the land when it comes to this book, it's actually very fascinating. I'm hoping this will help me because I was one of those people. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, if you know the, the lay of the land, it just makes it a little more interesting and uh, will help you as you're reading through it. And maybe you'll think, oh, this isn't this isn't quite as bad as I thought it was. I mean, if you're at Deuteronomy, you've probably made it through Leviticus and Numbers That's already. True. So, That's man, true. just like, you just... You're almost there. Like it's it's the final final push on the Pentateuchal marathon. I just made that up. That's I like Pentateuchal marathon. You didn't even have to acknowledge that you made it up because that actually sounded pretty legitimate. Yeah, that's I'm I'm TMing that, trademarking <laughs> that because man, you start off strong with Genesis. You're full of energy. Yeah. Halfway through Exodus, you start dragging a little you bit. Drag Leviticus, a little. Numbers, and it's like Deuteronomy. You're almost. You just got to push through. End is in sight. Yeah. So here's Deuteronomy, all right? If I were to summarize it in one phrase, I think I would call it the swan song of Moses. Mm. It is, don't think of it as another iteration of Leviticus, even though there is a section of it where he reiterates the law. Okay. I think that's going to hamper you. The whole book really, I think if you boiled it down in essence, and again, I may be oversimplifying, but if you boiled it down, what you're getting here is really Moses's final sermon. Oh, to the nation of Israel before they are finally about to go into the promised land. Okay, and yeah. Finally, I drop this we hope, you know, <laughs> see the realization of this promise that God made to Abraham yeah. back in Genesis that his family and the nation that would come from it is going to inherit this amazing, beautiful land. So Moses is at the end of his life, and what he wants to do is encourage a new generation of Israelites because their parents' generation basically died out in the wilderness because they were disobedient and rebellious and obstinate, uh, just as humanity has basically been ever since. That was a high point. Yeah. So it's basically his final call to this new generation of Israelites uh, to love God with all their hearts and to serve him like no other and uh, to do their part to go in and inherit the land unlike the preceding generation. So structurally, you want to think of this book as divided into three segments, just so you know where you stand when you're reading it. So broadly speaking, chapters one through 11 are Moses's opening sermon, Mm -hmm. more or less. So he's He's just kind of reiterating some themes that have been uh, developed over the course of the Pentateuch. He's kind of recounting the history of Israel up to this point, just to kind of remind them of where they've been. Because again, you're dealing with a new generation of people. Okay. So we have his opening sermon, more or less, in chapters 1 through 11. And then chapters 12 to 26 are a collection of laws again. All right. (sighs) So he is kind of reiterating this. It's It's a sizable chunk. Yeah. And it does kind of remind me of what the Apostle Peter actually said in the New Testament. He wrote in his second letter, what he said was, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm writing these things to you that you already know, so that way when I'm gone, you'll remember them. And to remind you of them is no harm to you, no trouble to me. In other words, we need to be reminded of these things. So yeah. he's just reiterating the law and the covenant that God has already given to the nation. And then in chapters 27 through 34, we have Moses's quote-unquote final sermon, and then his his death. Because mm. um, one of the tragedies of this book is that Moses 
who is revered in Israel as the greatest prophet who ever lived, he didn't even get into the promised land. He got right to the cusp of it. And then he died. Um, Was he, was he, this is like probably super speculative. Was he the last remaining of that generation who would uh, not see yes. it? Oh my yes. goodness, I really? I do believe, that, yeah, that, I think that's true. That would be a now, tough, yeah, I need to that'd double be a tough check spot my, to be in. Yeah, I need to double check my history on we that. We can pretend for can now anyway. Yeah, because that whole previous generation had, they were, yeah, condemned to, the whole previous generation wasn't allowed in. So Correct. yeah, I think that's, right. uh, that's a um, minus the exception of Caleb and Joshua. True. Excuse me. And of course, the reason that Moses isn't allowed in is because he, he even yeah. got to the point where he became so fed up with the Israelites that he disobeyed one of God's commands. When God said, speak to the rock so that it gives the grumbling Israelites water, he went and struck it instead. And God said, you didn't uphold me as holy. So You know that feeling when, maybe this is not so universally known, but I think it is, you know, when you're just driving along and then suddenly you see multicolored lights in your rearview mirror and you know it's done. (laughs) It's over. You have been caught. This happened to me once, one time. My track record is once. And man, the pit in my stomach. Oh, yeah. And I got off scot-free because he was a nice man. (laughs) And I was shaken. (laughs) But like, can you picture Moses? Like, not only are the lights in the rearview mirror, but the punishment is... The rest of your life, you will die with, oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> that just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's no fun. And also fun bit of trivia. Later, Satan and the archangel Michael yeah. are going to fight about his body. That, what? That's one of my favorite things in all of scripture. Yeah, it is so weird and esoteric and I think it's fascinating. Yeah. That's a, that's just a little teaser to the oh book of Jude, word. which we'll get to at some point. Shout I'm out to Jude. Us. Yeah, Jude. Our cultural with the... thing will just be the song, Hey Jude, <laughs> and we'll just listen to it on repeat. <laughs> uh, truly, truly. So so that's the broad layout of the book. you got three segments, chapters 1 through 11, opening sermon, 12 to 26, collection of laws, and then 27, 34, final yeah. sermon, death, death of Moses. Now, the foundational words of this book that maybe not even just foundational to this book, but the whole Mosaic law, the whole Mosaic covenant, the whole Old Testament. In fact, that's actually what Jesus says. He says the law and the prophets are summed up in this command, which is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Mm -hmm. This kind of lays the groundwork for understanding specifically this book and its function in the Pentateuch, but also, like I said, the whole the whole story of scripture, which is known as the Shema. That's what this command is known as. It's called the Shema. That comes from the Hebrew word for here. Okay. Because the opening word of this command is here. Okay. Oh, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So that's what Jesus says is the first great commandment. And then, of course, you have the second great commandment, which is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Shema is, hear, O Israel, Lord our God is the Lord, the Lord is one. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so the rest of that book is more or less Moses kind of trying to explain, here's why you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's how you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, okay. And the explanation of what will happen if they do, which of course is going to be blessing and uh yeah. goodness and light, and then if they don't, um, 
which is actually another ironically tragic piece. Uh, he spends much more time on the curses, <laughs> probably because he knows. Yeah, he knows these them. people. He's like, guess what? Your parents sucked. Yes, you probably do too. Yes. Well, actually, here's the thing, though. I that's that bird's eye perspective is I actually think pretty helpful because mm-hmm. um, it makes it. I don't know. It makes it easier to get my head around to yep. see it that way. And I mean that more than just this section is this, this is yep. this. To know that like his theme and intent behind it. Yeah. Actually, it kind of threads those three segments together. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I kind of, I appreciate that. Yeah. And the other piece of Deuteronomy that I think, much like all of the Old Testament not just the pieces that deal specifically with the law or the Mosaic Covenant, but one of the themes that is even more explanatory of all this, I think, that Moses touches on again and again, and like I said, we see all throughout the Old Testament, is not that we should obey God in order to get his approval and Mm. his grace. What Moses makes clear throughout his final words in Deuteronomy is that uh, God has already displayed unbelievable grace. Yeah to his people in spite of their rebellion and their absolute undeserving of it. I mean, he has come through again and again. And I mean, when they were, you think about all the times they grumbled and he still fed them. Like, I mean, he fed them miraculously, the manna, gave them water to drink. The the soles of their shoes didn't even wear out. Like this whole time they're wandering (laughs) around the wilderness. Like, you know, like I'm wearing a pair of shoes right now that I've only had for like, you know, a year and a half. And it's like, oh, time to get a new pair, you know? Yeah. I mean, so all of their obedience is predicated not on earning God's grace, but already having received it. Yeah. Which I think sometimes we tend to think of as a very New Testament theme. Like, oh, that comes from the New Testament. Right. Like, no, no, no. That is all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, that goes all the way back to Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve sinned and God clothes them with animal skins. I mean, that's an explicit picture of, very true, you know, yeah. a foreshadowing of what's to come. When, of course, you know, God clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus in spite of what we've done. So that's kind of the thing that predicates all of, of this final call of Moses to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and laying out these sermons and these laws is that God has been gracious to you already. Like, and he's bringing you into this amazing land. He's fulfilled the promise to Abraham that he's going to have a large, you know, this, this family. It's going to become a nation. And now you're about to go inherit the land. Which is another interesting thing that we don't really have time to get into is that all of the commands, or most of them, are tied to physical geography. So they aren't just <laughs> abstracted like, you know, oh, hey, here's these things and you should do them because they're oh, good. It's wow. like your fate in this physical land is tied to your love for me, which I always find encouraging that like God doesn't abstract these things that like hmm. he says, no, like there's a physical land you go into inherit. And basically, you know, I mean, his... I mean, the picture you get is he's wanting to create a new Eden where he's going to dwell with yeah. his people again. And I mean, that's the whole story of scripture is, you right, know, right. Um, well, one of the primary stories of scripture <laughs> is, you know, creating a new Eden where he'll dwell with us. But he always ties it to those things. It's not just, you know, oh, hey, do these things because right. I told you to. It's like, oh, hey, here's a land and uh, I love you and I'm gracious to you. Do you think so, he does that because of our proclivity to walk away without it? I mean, and what I what I mean when I say that is like when they were, you know, early days in the wilderness, they really didn't have much to go on. And so they made a golden calf. Yeah. You know, when in, when they lacked something that they could look to in reference and depend on, they yeah. were left to their own devices in a way and went off the rails. Yeah. Like just the human proclivity. Yeah. To lose sight. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think it's probably safe to say that's a big part of it is to, you know, 
if 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 we're left to our own abstractions long enough, yeah, yeah. I think we we have to, we want to fill in that gap right. with something that we can you know see, touch, taste, smell, and so I do think that's why. I mean, even even in like the worship of Israel, you have that tied to the tabernacle yeah. and the Ark of the Covenant, and um, you know we're you know you're making a blood sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, things like these that are very physical. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the dangers, if I can say it that way, of modern evangelicalism is that we. And I say this as somebody who's probably as guilty of it as anybody, but we want to abstract everything so much that it becomes mm. untethered from physical reality. Like the end goal of God recreating everything and, you know, at the end of all things, giving us a quote unquote new Eden to dwell in is not that we're going to go live a disembodied existence in heaven with the angels. It's that this world that we're living in is going to be restored to what it was meant to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have the same, that body that Ethan Bolton is in is the body that's going to be resurrected. That is depressing. At the end of this, well, except it'll be glorified, defined, of course. You know you what I mean? by my full name. Yes. So I just have to be reminded. <laughs> Thank you so much. Get that new name on that white stone. <laughs> but so anyway, that was kind of a rabbit trail rambling. But all I was to say is it's that cool. in Deuteronomy, those commands are tied yeah. to physical realities. So that's what you're kind of dealing with in Deuteronomy is how you got Moses' swan song and what he wants the new generation to see is you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's how you do it. Here's why we do it. And, of course, God has already shown you all this grace. And I think another final interesting thing to note in regards to Deuteronomy is it kind of ends on a cliffhanger for the whole Pentateuch. Because you get to the end of the Pentateuch and maybe not so much if you've read the whole Bible before because you know the whole storyline. <laughs> but if you could as much as possible... Limit yourself. Yeah, limit yourself, kind of get a bird's eye view, step back, and imagine that you're reading through this for the first time. By the end of the Pentateuch, you're kind of thinking, man, I was expecting that all of the issues that have been raised and all the problems that have been created would be resolved. So at the end of Deuteronomy, just as a brief, non-exhaustive example, end of Deuteronomy, end of the Torah, end of the Pentateuch, you are left with Moses— who is the greatest prophet, and when he says Noah prophet arose like him Mm. after, until we get to Jesus. Spoiler alert. Um, But Moses, greatest prophet in Israel's history, dies without entering the promised land. At the end of Deuteronomy, we're still left wondering how or when the promised descendant of Genesis 3 is going to crush the serpent's head and defeat evil. True. We still don't have an answer to that. We still don't know how God is going to rescue the rest of the world (laughs) through Abraham's family. Yeah. We still don't know that. We still don't know how God is going to be fully reconciled to his people and dwell with them like he did in Eden before Eden, sin. Yeah. Like we still don't know how that's going to happen. And we still don't know how God is going to repair the hearts of his people because that's one of the other things Moses talks about when he's nearing the end in his final sermon and he says actually funny I was like I know you're going to transgress the covenant again it's kind of like i know you're gonna do it um he says but one day god is going to circumcise your hearts and that seems to be yeah a very visceral visual and that seems to be the root of the problems is there's something wrong with their heart yeah okay if i'm gonna summarize it like that and we still don't know how he's gonna do that (laughs) and it's like man we expected all these to be answered and they're not and so now we've got a whole you know and if you've ever opened you know you look at your bible that's a pretty thick book and uh we don't know we don't have any really explicit answers to those problems at the end of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. which is a very, uh, it's a very interesting thing. 
given what we know about scripture and True. all that. So that's where we are with Deuteronomy. True. I'm very interested to talk through how these sorts of themes, you know, the swan song, exactly. and the, you know, the call to faithfulness, if I could put it that way, you know, to a, to a new life. <laughs> yeah. How those appear in, you know, maybe a cultural edifice. Because mm-hmm. um, those this, are, they seem pretty specific. They are specific. And, you know what and I mean? And this could have been really rocky. But one of the first things that came to mind for me uh, when you said the word swan song was the film Logan. Oh, yeah. Which I almost approach this genre as a whole with a bit of trepidation, especially in this format, because it's usually not the genre for the richest of stories. That's true. Yeah, we're talking about like comic book superheroes, Yeah, right? like the Avengers, for instance. This is a rabbit trail. Spoiler. <laughs> it was like, it was a pretty big moment in cinema. It was a moment where a bunch of heroes converged that we've seen built out through multiple standalone films. Now, that was a, that was a moment. That was a serious cinematic moment. But I'm not going to tell you that that is the richest story. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to pretend it's nothing but a cash grab. I think there, you know, there's substance to it, but it's not, it's not the richest story. Right. They've had standalone films since that are significantly better. Right. So that said, when something is extraordinary in this genre, I think it's worth noting. And for Logan, the story about relationship and character comes first. Yeah. It is the primary priority of the film and the the idea of this world in which superhuman, you know, extraordinary things exist or are possible. That's the backdrop. Right. For their story. Yeah. And that is that's really impressive because it kind of rests on the shoulders of um, years of films yeah. of that franchise specifically, you know, the X-Men franchise. Exactly. Yeah. Logan, as you may or may not know, it's Wolverine. That's, right. you've probably heard that word. Yeah. Somebody's grandson has told you that. Word. <laughs> <laughs> so, Big metal claws, you know? <laughs> yeah. But for this story, it's kind of a, a adapted uh, from this kind of famous and well-loved old man Logan story arc. I believe I'm correct in saying that. Yeah, that sounds right. Where he's like at the end of his life. Yeah, so you got Wolverine here who's been kind of the immortal man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unstoppable, you know, this super ridiculous regeneration healing Yeah, ability. basically he's, he's a man of legend. Yeah, and you suddenly get him at this point where he's at the end of his life. Yeah. Like Moses. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And, and I mean, even as the fans, we all knew that this was the swan song film. Yeah. Hugh Jackman immortalized this character in cinema. I mean, he defined it and came out to say this was his last appearance. So we knew, you know, it was going to be a big moment. We didn't know how special it was going to be. Because, you know, a lot of the themes that you described, I was actually pleasantly surprised to start connecting them to what I remembered of this film. You talked about these two generations, essentially, and Moses almost being the bridge between them. The generation that came before failed. They didn't get it right, and they paid the price. And here Moses is at least hoping that the next generation can get it right as they move into a new world, essentially, for them. Right. And that is, like, poignantly (laughs) similar to the themes we see in the movie, Logan. And I don't even think you need to know a lot about the genre I think you can almost go in blind with very little context to appreciate the story that's told. Yeah. Because we basically get the sense that in this world, you know, these superhuman capabilities, whatever, it's a mutation of the DNA. Yeah. And they're obviously marginalized and hated because the human race has such a proclivity to do that. Yeah. And they've been captured or killed or there are very few, if any, left, it seems. Yeah. Uh, And Logan is one of the last of his generation, essentially, and someone of note. But then we see 
these, you know, these young kiddos Mm -hmm. um, kind of where the last generation was a long time ago, you know, marginalized, but maybe there's a chance for a better world. Mm -hmm. And it really deals with like Logan's, I mean, he's, he's bitter and cynical and kind of a broken spirit at this point in his life. But to kind of push through that and at least do what he can uh, to provide a chance for this next generation. Right. Understanding that he won't he will never get see to that see world. the fruits of it. No. Uh, much, again, much like Moses. I mean, he's standing at the cusp saying, I'm not going to get to see this, but I want to set you up yeah. so that you can. And I think I'm, I'm going to, if you have not seen it yet, skip ahead a little bit because I'm going to spoil <laughs> something here. And okay. if you have, you can appreciate it, I think. But you have that very poignant moment at the end of the movie mm-hmm. where it, it is a bit of a violent movie, just so you're aware. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's been like impaled on this, you know, tree, basically. Ironic. Yeah. Um, tree. Oh, impaled yeah. man. Christology. What? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but you got this moment where he's, you know, been impaled in these younger mutant types. Um, he's basically, he's basically his, saved. Yeah. His, and, and his surrogate daughter. Yeah. And he has this moment where he basically says, you know, don't be what they and they being the evil yeah. group of people that want to, you know, weaponize Exploit. these yeah. people. Yeah. He says, don't be that. Yeah. And he channels something that Professor X, played by mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart, early in the movie, said she, she can learn to be better. Yeah. And he kind of just, right at the end of his life, he yeah. says that. And, you know, he's like, you can be better. I mean, it's really the call yeah. for him mm-hmm. to pass along in this film. Yeah, yeah. And that's very much like Moses saying, like, you can... Yeah. <laughs> Minus his, you know, rather depressing, you know, you're going to violate the covenant <laughs> and this is going to be bad. You're going to be exiled. But like, but there's a moment where it's like, yeah. you know, God can, if you turn to him, he'll work in you and mm-hmm. he'll change you and transform you. And it's transformative for him too. Oh yeah. He gets out of that bitterness and that cynicism and that mm-hmm. defeatism and you see a transformation happen in him. Yeah. Which is very poignant, I mm-hmm. think, to his development and, and the story. That is his... His swan song. Yeah. That's his that's his call to another generation to yeah. be, quote unquote, you know, faithful and to do what they can to mm-hmm. take the steps that the last generation didn't or maybe even couldn't take. Right. Yeah, I think that's 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 very poignant. And because I'm a nerd, that conversation gave me chills. <laughs> 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 no, it's a really yeah. beautiful film. And I think even just from what we're talking about, like there are definitely some comic booky qualities, but it really is the backdrop and and these threads of story that are like so strong and so poignant are about the people and the characters and the relationships and it's really it's it's heavy but it's very rich yeah and it is actually another thing i just thought of again this is just kind of incidental details but like they are on the cusp of the promised land like they are right on the oh, edge yeah. of, their hope uh, is essentially in a new eden yeah for lack of a better term yeah they gotta cross the uh, again spoiler but i mean they're trying to cross the border to mm-hmm. get to another country and they're right on the literal, like, almost edge of it. Yeah. And that's where this final call happens. And uh, oh, it seems, seems to be appropriate, you know? <laughs> it's like you got one more river to cross. Like, yeah. Just go. Exactly. And I think that's something that is poignant and a reminder that we all need. Certainly. That almost every juncture of our lives, probably, you know, yeah. <laughs> that uh, the Shema, you know, mm-hmm. love God and love your neighbor. And you do that because of what God has already done for you. And you see some of those scenes encapsulated in Logan, so. For sure, yeah. I, just, I still think that's, you know, we've been doing this now for, I guess this, is our, this will be our fifth, fifth full episode, episode mm-hmm. on this. 
And I still find that cool how these, yeah. I mean, just these little themes, like they're not, you know, direct crossovers. And it's these, not that, yeah, it's not that they intended to make a copy. Right. But I mean, you just find these, these themes and these ideas running all over the place. Yeah. I mean, they're still, they're poignant to a whole, a whole world that isn't even familiar yeah. necessarily with the arc of God's story for humanity. Right. I think that's cool. You know, it still excites me. So, I don't know, you got any final thoughts or comments before we wrap this up here? Um, Well, as I'm prone to do, say something completely off topic. The movie also was released in a noir format, meaning that they filmed the whole thing and then they also released it in black and white. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. One of the last films we talked about did that as well, Mad Max. Mad Max, yeah. We're just talking about noir films on this podcast. (laughs) Suckers, this is just a veneer to talk about black and white movies. Uh, but it's it's pretty nifty. It is. It is nifty. So, That's my two cents. There you go. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take those two cents. It's free for me. And yeah. two cents for me. I'll take it. I'll do that. Well, if you have any thoughts on this, or maybe you've seen some themes running throughout cultural edifices uh, that relate to the five books that we've covered mm-hmm. that maybe we didn't observe or notice, and you want to share them with us, we'd love to have you share them with us. Please do. You can do that at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, that that's it. That is that's it. it. Yeah, those are where that's where you can reach us. And of course, as always, if you find this podcast helpful, informative, fun, you can share it. Leave us an honest, honest five star review <laughs> on the <laughs> iTunes Store. Uh, yeah, that that covers it for this episode of Creative Commentary. Thank you, as always, for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.